Hey girl, welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Uh, no, because we don't do that for you. No, that's kind of our brand that we're building. Yeah, because we know that nothing makes (laughs) sense in life, uh, for the most part. Yeah, a brand built on I don't know. (laughs) Will it work? I don't know. It's got a really firm structure. (laughs) Um, I also feel like I need to let everyone know that while they are listening to this in the future, right now, as we record this, it is your solar return. It is your birthday, my love. It is my birthday. And I just want to take a moment and wish you a very happy birthday. Thanks, honey. Um, I'm really happy to be doing this when we were sort of trying to figure out when we would be able to do one. Or our next episode, uh, this day was the only one that kind of made sense. And I was super happy to spend it talking to all the gazers out there. Yeah. I always feel like you want to spend your birthday doing things that you want to do more of in the year to come. Completely. So, this yeah. is a good thing. So planting all the seeds, peeps. Love Here we that. are. More gays to come <laughs> with spirit. Uh, introduce yourself, my love. I'm Angel Lopez. It's my birthday. I'm an Aries. Uh, Cancer Moon, Taurus Rising. And I am a writer, I'm a film producer and executive, and I am an astrologer. Gorgeous. And you? I am Brandon Alter. It is not my birthday. Uh, I'm an Aquarius sun, Capricorn moon, (laughs) Aries rising. Uh, I am a tarot reader and a tarot teacher. I am a healer and an actor and a writer. You're also my husband. I am also your husband. Yep. He's my hubby, y'all. That's true. That's very true. We have a little doggy boo named Noche. A little doggy boo named Noche, who actually, by the time this releases, will be done with his 18 radiation treatments, Woo-hoo! which will be a relief for all of us. Seriously. Especially him, because he's currently lying here with a little cone on his head, and oh, I, know I know he's over it. <laughs> he hates that cone. <laughs> but it's all good. I know. It's fine. There could be a lot worse things he has to deal with. For sure. Than and a cone just... and a little prednisone. Yeah, and we're just glad it's all coming to an end and everything's been going really well. Yeah, I know. Nice to have that destination as opposed to an unknown destination. Truth that. Um, but anyhow, let's do a little check-in, honey. How are you? I'm exhausted, uh, mostly because I've been up since 4.45 this morning. Mm-hmm. Been running around town. Um and I'm also just exhausted because of this whole Noche situation, just like waking up every morning, schlepping him across town, sitting and <laughs> dropping him off, crying, meditating, waiting for him to reemerge. It's like become my new ritual in the morning. And you know what? That's fine. It's all right. Um, which is interesting because that's what we're going to talk about today, y'all. We're going to talk about ritual. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Today's deep dive is all about ritual. So it, it has been interesting that my morning ritual has been totally transformed through this process. That's true. And allowing it to totally transform. I've developed a beautiful relationship with a tree that is in someone's backyard that I can see from the parking structure of the pet hospital. Mm. And I make sure to park <laughs> right in front so I can see it. Um, this is the first I'm hearing of this tree, everyone. Well, this I can't. Slutty tree. <laughs> I can't touch it. I can only, I can only see it. Um, uh, that's funny. Yeah. Because I prefer, it's funny, when Angel drops Noche off for radiation, he sits in the waiting room. Yeah. But for me, it's just like too traumatic. Like there's too many people coming in and out, too many dogs. Like it just, it gets me too high anxiety. So I've been spending the time in my car in the parking garage, which gives Angel 
high anxiety. Yeah, I just don't like it. It makes me feel claustrophobic. I'd much rather sit with my iPad or, you know, my iPhone and I'm like listening to a thing, reading a thing. Like for me, it's just actually kind of like nice, quiet time. Totally. I feel that way about sitting in my car. I like, I like drop Noche off. I come back to my car. I like light some Palo Santo and make my car like all smoky. And then I meditate. I even took a shamanic journey today, actually. Oh, that's nice. To prepare for this podcast. Cool. Um, and I always call my car like my little sanctuary on wheels. So yeah, I guess for me, like the hour drive there is enough time in my car that I'm like, okay, I'm done being inside you for now. Yeah, that's fair. Said no one ever. Ooh, oh, snap. Okay. Um. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm feeling that, but I'm I'm also feeling clear. I'm feeling better than I have in a couple of weeks, and I also am feeling like I'm moving. I guess all the emotion that earlier this year I'd kind of pushed down mm-hmm. and and then more recently I've kind of allowed it to rise up and start to work through it. And now it feels like it's very, like it's right there under the surface, mm. um, which is new for me to kind of be walking through the day right. a lot more emotionally available, but it's kind of fun and I'm just kind of like allowing myself to give no fucks about it. And if yeah. I'm going to cry in front of a stranger, then... That's just what it's going to be, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. So I think that's good. Yeah, I've cried in front of a lot of strangers these past few weeks. Um, and it definitely feels like there's a lot more that wants to come out, but mm-hmm. you can't force it. It almost feels like a pimple. You know, like when a pimple isn't ready to be popped, and you, like, I sometimes will, like, lose my patience, and I'll, like, try to pop it anyways, and you just end up, like, drawing blood and... It, it just never goes that well. I never it's pop like, pimples. Oh, I know. You don't have that, that I'm thing. I'm disgusted by it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically the analogy is if you don't, you got to wait until something's ready to leave. If you try before it's ready, I think you end up making the, the process worse. Yeah, completely. So, and I'm excited. I'm excited to deep dive into ritual. Cool. Yeah, me too. I am too. Um, what about you, babes? You've had a lovely day so far. I have had a lovely day so far. Um, I've actually had a pretty good week, I would say. Um, I've been pretty productive this week, kind of just immersed in stuff with work, stuff with my writing, um, lots of astrology work this week. I'm just really feeling um, kind of in my element. So it is what it is. Then today, being my birthday, I you know sort of took the day off from everything, which was really nice, and sort of just did some like self care biz. I've been really focusing a lot on sort of re- not even reconnecting, just connecting with my body, um, you know, uh, over the last few months, I guess. But I feel like I'm really in tune with it right now you know i've been doing this sort of one-on-one pilates work which really is just like sort of inner physical work you know you're like pushing through fears and anxieties and releasing old emotions i feel that are trapped in places so yeah it's very somatic the way anna yeah holds space that way yeah this amazing woman anna uh who's just a total physical healer. Um, We should have her on the show. Completely. Yeah. And we, yeah, just push through things in really profound ways. And I definitely felt like this week we shifted some things, um, particularly just like in my hips, which have been so frozen and locked. And I've definitely been told I store a lot of things in there. But on my drive, 
I had a, a long drive after with her and I found an old like playlist that I'd made years and years and years ago that I put on. So it was like really fun music. And I just like found myself fully like just dancing hard, like in traffic, like in my car. And like, I was just feeling my body like in a cool way. It was nice. That's uh, so nice. Yeah. And then had this great acupuncture session today with Russell, who, um, if you're listening, you probably heard our last spirit talk with him. Um, which was so great. And we worked on, uh, we mentioned the whole sort of cosmic blueprint. So we did that, uh, you know, sort of connecting to the destiny. He was basically saying how there's like 12 channels in Chinese medicine that all connect to like organs, but then there are like eight other ones. That the are... extraordinary channels. Exactly. So one of them sort of being, and I can't remember the exact way to say it. I don't want to say it and butcher it, um, but it's essentially connecting you to your destiny. Um. So I really kind of just like went in on that treatment and sort of focused in on destiny and sort of came to this place that, you know, destiny isn't like this one point that we're all striving towards reaching, that it really is like a collection of all the points in our lives, you know, that when connected, sort of like connect the dots, you know, creates the full, you know, illustration that is our destiny. So... That I thought was like a really cool just sort of insight that I got out of that for myself because I feel like I am always sort of focused a little bit on like someday I'll actualize my destiny when I'm actually just already living it now. So yeah, and, and then I also um, realized that it was part of my destiny to see J-Lo in concert. So I splurged and got J-Lo tickets. Too. It's one of those dots. <laughs> it's one of those points. Happy birthday to me. I think it's a really profound insight, Angel, and I hope people are receiving it. I, it's so easy to get caught up in the idea that your destiny or your soul's purpose is like this one thing, you know, like you're supposed to like bring this one book into the world or this right. one project. And that might be part of your destiny and part of your purpose. But I think especially now in the culture that we live in where your value is really determined by the content that you create, it's important to remind people that you are your destiny. Completely. Like, you are the art. Your life is the art, how you live it, how you engage with people, the things that you're learning and transforming. Let your life be the art that you're so hungry to create. And Noche just shook on that, which means it's true. <laughs> totally. He's like, here, here. But no, I, I agree. And especially in this day and age where, you know, people do multiple things. And, you know, I think we're learning that it's important to honor all the things that really speak to you and, you know, that, that light your passion. Totally. So, I always think of this John Patrick Shanley quote. Mm -hmm. He um, is a phenomenal writer and he says... Uh, acting is directing, is playwriting, is living my life. Yep. So you can plug in your things to that. Painting you know? is writing, is cooking, is living my life. Yeah. I mean, for me, writing is producing, is astrology. Healing is singing, is surrendering, is embracing my life. Oh, wow. She's a full-time surrenderess. She's a full-time surrenderess. <laughs> okay, Taylor, but don't go changing your Instagram already. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, should we uh, 
We wanted to do a little dose of reality. Hex, yeah. Because there's, there's so a shit ton of reality. Oh, just Lord. swirling in well, the reality Well, there's a shit ton suit. of reality going on, so that's why we like to dip into... Other people's realities <laughs> yeah, from into, the past. Into reality television. All right, so without any further chit-chat, let's just dive into this episode's Dose, dose of Reality. reality. Uh, Real Housewives of New York is a dream this season. Um, though we are kind of witnessing a slight bit of a downfall of the Countess Luann. I said to Angel last night, I said, I think she'll be the only person in the history of reality television to get sober and fall from grace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's just gotten a tad... Um, she's always been holier than thou, but she is it. so holier than thou now. It's too much. And there's nothing appealing about her because no. we all know she doesn't have her shit together. She's not doing the deep inner work. I'm, at least I'm not assuming so. I mean, if she is, it is not apparent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just in the way that she's responding and relating to the other housewives. Yeah, it feels like like she's put out by having to be around them a bit. This is just like a theory I'm testing. I don't know if I can back this up. But to me, when you're doing like deep work on yourself, I find that you're a lot more forgiving and accepting of those around you because you've started Mm. to forgive and accept yourself on a deeper level. And when you are resistant to accepting other people's apologies or engaging with people in like a deep way, I think it's because you're resisting your own depth. And she is certainly not receiving people's apologies or allowing a deeper connection with with women that she's known for a really long time. Yeah, I don't think so either. So I've always loved the Countess Luann, but my love is growing thin. Yeah, I feel like money can't buy you class and neither can rehab. Oh, shit, girl. Uh, but who is living, who I am living for is uh, Sonia T. Morgan. Sonia T. Morgan. She is hysterical this season and just kind of going for it. I mean, she's always gone for it. Yeah. But she but- seems to be like a little bit more in on the joke than usual yeah and also maybe bisexual she's always been that's true she has always been but actually like full-on made out with a woman i think she's she's done that before she's attention sexual like she doesn't care where it's coming from (laughs) uh i remember that was my first crush in high school uh, an attention sexual? Completely. Yeah, there you go. Um, then there, you know, speaking of attention sexuals, um, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills have been fully in action. It's <laughs> a good segue. Um, all around this this dog. Lucy, Lucy, apple juice. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm over the whole situation. I'm over the story. I mean, it's been really juicy and fun and really kind of, the whole show's been about the making of a reality show and they've been kind of breaking it down, which I have found really fun yeah. and interesting to watch. Basically, for those of you that don't watch the show, the grand dame, Lisa Vanderpump, who's been on the show since the first season, right? Yeah. And who has kind of created a career for herself out of being, I mean, she's got Vanderpump Rules and you know Dogs. other shows. But what we're realizing is, is that she has always been not just a pot stirrer, but like a grand manipulator around the storylines of the season. And all the girls are finally getting sick of it. And they're trying to expose her as this kind of great manipulator. Yeah, it's crazy. And because Lisa Vanderpump cannot accept responsibility for anything, she can't say I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Watching her squirm is very interesting. She's also, you know, in this season, she also recently lost her brother. And so she is grief stricken. And she's definitely like not on her she like she doesn't have her machinations yeah. available to her. So it's it's interesting. She should have taken a break and she didn't. And now I think she's kind of unfortunately paying for that. Well, I think that if you're the sort of person 
who can go on reality TV and be real and be mm-hmm. vulnerable and expose yourself and not try to control the narrative than if something hard in your life happens, like Bethany Frankel, for example. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Nothing really changes, you know, yeah. like Bethany's always been comfortable crying and being a hot mess in front of the cameras True. since day one. But Lisa Vanderpump never has. Lisa Vanderpump's always been self-producing. Yeah. And now that she doesn't have her faculties and can't self-produce in the way that she would like to, and she's got everybody against her, she probably doesn't know how to respond to the situation. I know. Well, next week, it's all going to build up to her and Kyle having a massive fallout. They've been like besties forever because they've been on the show together forever. Since season one. And now she's going to throw Kyle out of her house, at least according to well the way the series opened this season. So I'm dying to find out. And then quickly, just because we did mention it, yeah, the drag race. Sure. What do you? I think this season is so fun. I'm loving it. I'm glazed. Uh, Really? I'm pretty glazed. Oh, I think it's such a great cast, and I feel like everyone's been bringing like really interesting looks. I mean, I'm not like feel like they've been that interesting. Oh, I feel like they're talented, but there's no like. X factor, it factor, like special surprise. Oh, I, I don't feel like they're that smart. I don't feel like there's a lot of smart queens on the show. Oh, I'm sorry. She might not be able to spell, but Vanessa Vanji Mateo is a smart queen. She has been springing some looks on people and I think springing some performances on people that are unexpected. And so I think that that's been smart to kind of hold that back and pull that out. And I also think Evie Oddly has been really smart and really unique and interesting. She's truly the only one. Yeah. And I'm also a big fan of Silky Ganache. I mean, I'm a fan of Silky Ganache, but I don't know I don't know how much ganache one person can stomach. After yeah. A and while. I think Brooklyn Heights is really bringing a lot of like cool, fun looks. Well, Brooklyn Heights, I mean, her looks are fine. It's her smart she's, way of presenting it. And she's gorgeous. Yeah, she's beautiful. <laughs> so But I have to say, I'm not I'm not like chomping at the bit this season, which is probably why I prefer to watch the Housewives of New York if if it goes head to head. Yeah. And I guess at the end of the day I'd rather watch like creativity paraded in heels. They also did a really great uh Zodiac one a couple weeks ago. And some of those looks like really gave me life. Well, Vanjie's Libra look was, was amazing. beyond. That was amazing. It was where beyond. she was literally the scales of justice. Yeah, but and in it was red. all yeah, which is the Aries polarity, which I, I know. know she has no idea about. It was just a magical yeah, moment. She just loves red, but it was like one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Yeah, it was I very loved good. It. Is she a Libra? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they all had to be their sign. Got it. So that's why there were like multiple Capricorns and multiple. Got yeah. it. Got it. Okay, so what would you do? What would your Aries drag be if you had to do it? Oh Lord. I don't know. I mean, something with fire, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if I would do like the Ram necessarily. Yeah. I feel like I would do maybe like a Phoenix mm. because I feel like, you know, Aries is like rising, you know, like it's this Phoenix rising from the ashes. So to me, it's like the Aries sun rising from the ashes of Pisces of the mm. last cycle. So it's kind of like a new birth. So I think I would do some sort of Phoenix play. What about you? I'd do some sort of like silver aliens, like space age glamour. Nice. (laughs) All right. Well, you and me, we're competing next week. Next year, we're bringing it. (laughs) Oh my God. Husbands competing on RuPaul's Drag Race. No, I would never do that. Um, All right. Shall we? Yes. Thank you for uh, sticking with us through that exercise dose of reality. 
we are now going to transition into this episode's Deep Deep Dive. Dive. So today we are talking about ritual. What the hell is it? How do you do it? Why does it matter? Um, you know, my one of my big goals with this podcast and with everything I, I try to do in the spiritual realms is to demystify uh, practices or uh, ideas that have been misunderstood or hidden from popular culture for so long. And I think ritual is one of these words that's super buzzy these days, but... I don't know if people understand what ritual work is or how they might even begin to explore that for themselves. Mm -hmm. And ritual is one of those things, it's like, it's so fundamental. Um, Ritual has been happening for, you know, as long as human beings have been alive. So it's part of your birthright to be able to engage with this practice. Um, And so that's kind of what we're going to explore today, how to... uh, make up your own rituals what is ritual ritual versus ceremony is there a difference um Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where we're gonna go cool and i think also angel and i will talk about maybe our own personal experience with ritual and how it's made a difference in our lives yeah so the moon is in capricorn so i'm about to get very capricorn moon and just read you a couple of things because i did a little (laughs) bit of research for this um So the first thing I did was I just wanted a definition for ritual. So uh, I went to Merriam-Webster. Oh, I love Merriam. I know, isn't she great? I haven't seen her in a while. I know. Well, she was traveling. We should have her for dinner. She's back. So Merriam-Webster says that uh, the definition of ritual is the established form for a ceremony. And then she uh, clarifies specifically the order of words prescribed for a religious ceremony. Two... A ritual observance, specifically a system of rites, uh, a ceremonial act or action, or, and this is what, this is my personal belief, it's an act or series of acts regularly repeated in a set precise manner. Mm -hmm. So when you think about ritual, you're thinking about an act or a series of acts that you do a lot, and you engage with these series of acts in a specific way to bring about some sort of shift. But I think there's a big difference between ritual and ceremony, even though those words are used kind of interchangeably. So I'd like to read you something else. And this comes from uh, the Encyclopedia of Shamanism, which was written by Christina Pratt, who you've probably heard me mention because she's got that great podcast I love so much called Why Shamanism Now? Why? Well, we won't get into it. That's really, that's really her <laughs> deal. Well, if you listen to her podcast, she'll tell you why. But she goes on to say that ritual and ceremony are tools used by shamans to engage the powers of the invisible world to affect specific changes in the physical world. So let's just break that down for a second. So ritual and ceremony, they're tools that shamans use, but anybody can use, to engage with the things we cannot see in order to bring about some sort of shift in the world that we can see. So, you know, if you meditate every morning... You're engaging with something that you can't see, but it does make a shift in how you see the physical world around you. Or Mm. people are like, why do you seem so different? You're like, I've been meditating. Simple ritual. All right, so she continues. They are two unique tools and are not interchangeable. And this is what I think is so interesting. So she says that ritual is used to change the status quo, upset the order of things, and to create chaos where necessary. 
Ceremony, on the other hand, is used to restore or reinforce the status quo, grounding people in the right order of things, like natural laws, and strengthening the community. Interesting. So I thought that was a really interesting uh take on the difference between ritual and ceremony. And if we yeah. think about the ceremonies of our lives, they are in fact uh, reinforcing the status quo. Mm -hmm. A marriage ceremony, we know with what we're engaging. Right. We're reinforcing the status quo that we are promising our lives to each other until the end of our natural life. And engaging the community around it. Yes. Or, you know, what other ceremonies come to mind to you? I mean... I would consider probably like a Sunday church service. Exactly. Reinforcing the belief systems around whatever the church is. Right. So ceremony or even, you know, like uh, like a sweat lodge ceremony. Mm -hmm. That's bringing the community together. And that's a ceremony that's about clearing, releasing the impurities. You are engaging with something that is known to bring about a result that is known, right? Like, there's no mystery what's going to happen after the ceremony. You're going to be married. You're going to be clear. Yeah. You're going to be buried. You know, right. uh, if you think about a funeral, these are ceremonies. Um, we might also think about ceremonies like ceremonies of gratitude, like Thanksgiving. That's a ceremony. Mm -hmm. um, the Academy Awards. That, honey, that is a ceremony. <laughs> Reinforcing the status quo, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, oh, wow, babes, that's fire. The Academy Awards is a fucking perfect example of what ceremony is. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's probably one of the most important ceremonies in our contemporary culture. Yeah. Everyone around the world watches the Academy Awards. It mm -hmm. reinforces what is important, what are we valuing, right? Like based on the movie that wins Best Picture, we're like, oh, this is what we're supposed to be thinking about or feeling right now. Yeah. Right? Like the movie that wins Best Picture oftentimes kind of reflects what's going on in in the world. Yes, it does. I agree. Reinforces that. Right. But this is not a show about ceremony. No, girl. This is a show about ritual. Hey, ritual. Because if you are wanting to change your life, if you're wanting to transform or to grow, ceremony is not going to do it. No, it's you, just going to keep you sort of stuck or where yeah, you are in the same space. What you need, sweet baby girl, mm -hmm. is some ritual. Oh. I'm ready. Okay, so what is ritual as far as Brandon Alter is concerned? You've heard me say it. It's a spiritual play that you put on for yourself and also for the spirits. And it really can be anything that feels significant to you. Mm -hmm. And so I would say the best way to start to think about how to craft a ritual for yourself is to think about the elements. Mm. Think about fire, water, earth, or air. And choosing just one of those elements to build a little ritual around. So let's say you are wanting to change your relationship with a substance. Mm -hmm. Food, alcohol, weed, shopping, doesn't matter what it is. You want to change your relationship around it. Okay. You would want to open yourself up to receive a ritual, which mm -hmm. means you kind of make it up and you also kind of like feel what, you know, is sparking your interest and you might go "Ooh, i would really like to start doing a fire ritual so maybe every morning or every evening or once a week but in remember it's got to be repeated I, I my little phrase here is ritual is residual the mm. more you do it the more impact it has mm -hmm. ceremony's not quite the same way right like you only have one wedding ceremony i mean to well, one person some, yeah. unless you renew your vows but you only do yeah. it once really mm -hmm. and the ceremony does it but the ritual you have to keep 
doing it. Right. So let's just go with a fire ritual because that's something I think people are familiar with. You know, if you want to change your relationship around a substance, you could write that down on a piece of paper and every week you burn it. Mm -hmm. It could be that you burn it and then you sing a song about how you're letting that shit go. It could be that you burn it and then you dance. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could also bury it in the ground, working with the earth. You could also do a little ritual around the water, just like a ritual bath, right? right? Like if you, you know, I take a lot of baths. Sometimes I'm just taking a bath, but sometimes I light some candles. I create sacred space and that becomes a ritual bath. And it's usually to, you know, bring me mm. into my emotions because emotions is water. And But you can see how there's no right or wrong. And I think as Angel and I start to talk about this, you might get your own ideas to explore what ritual might be for you. Should we talk about our morning rituals? Yeah, we can. What uh, is your morning ritual right now and what has it been in the past? Well... Right now, and just hearing what you were thinking, because I was thinking about it, um, I guess I tend to just like immediately scroll through my emails, you know, I think which is what probably a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. And then I like switch over to the Insta and then I switch over to Twitter and I'm like, doop, 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 scroll, scroll, scroll. And that feels like a bad habit to me, but obviously I'm probably engaging in some other sort of numbing because what I ultimately then do and really want to do is start my day by, you know, coming into the spirit room. I sit in the chair, I meditate, I say my little prayer at the end of meditation. I have like a a prayer I say every day. And then I pull some sort of divination card to sort of help give me something to sort of like anchor my day um, to go back to throughout the rest of the day if I need to like focus. I love that. And I think it would be helpful just to let people know that prayer is ritual work. Completely, yeah. And that would be working with the element of air. Not that you have to subscribe to like working with just one element, but I think it's interesting just to kind of get your imaginations going like, oh, right, that is an air thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like air carries our words to each other, to spirit, to wherever they're going. Yeah, so that's pretty much like my morning ritual regardless you know of what else i have to do i always so meditation prayer pull a card yeah cool yeah what about you i mean honestly i'll be totally honest and vulnerable right now i don't i my morning ritual has has disappeared Mm. for quite a few years i would say up until like maybe november of last year every morning it was breath work visualizations to ground to clear to align to open up and cards and I yeah. just, and it was like, and it was an hour long ritual every day. And it was really important. And for those like three years when I was doing it, I was going through major transformation and I, and I really needed to do it. And it really helped me. And I always say like when the ritual falls away, it's probably because it needs to be reconfigured a little bit, which is a little bit what I was talking about in terms of like letting rituals evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I'm kind of calling in what the new ritual is. Honestly, with Noche and just like all the bad news and just like everything feeling so serious. I just didn't want to pull cards. I didn't want any more information, frankly. And so I've actually gotten into the habit now of just the very first deck my mom ever gave me um, is in this like little bag. And I've just started carrying it around with me. And I'm just like pulling a card just like randomly throughout the day, Mm. just like one, just Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, what is this moment like really inviting me into? Um, Which is like a little ritual on the go. Yeah. Um, I still do breath work pretty often, but it's not like an everyday first thing in the morning 
sort of situation like it used to be. But maybe right. I need to call that back in. Yeah. So um, then you have no sort of like structured daily sort of like moment. No. Because my whole life is kind of built around this sort of stuff. So like there's always some moment throughout the day where like I give myself that ritual of whatever it is of reconnecting to spirit. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't always happen first thing in the morning. Because mm -hmm. um, I've been fucking depressed and I haven't been able to pull myself together to to reconfigure what my ritual is. But I'm optimistic with Mercury out of retrograde and yeah. and things changing that I'll be able to to call that in. Yeah. Um. So I took a journey. I took a shamanic journey today because I was curious what about ritual really needed to be communicated. Mm -hmm. And I got a really beautiful image that I just wanted to share with everybody. So the image is a duck pond, just like a regular old duck pond. But when you dive underwater, you're in like the starry night sky. Mm. And as soon as you surface, you're like back in duck pond land with the ducks. And as soon as you go underwater, you're back with all the stars. And I think whatever your interpretation of this image is totally correct. One interpretation that I've been meditating on for the day is that ritual does bring us into the energetic quality of that which is unseen. So without ritual, you can't dive down, get beneath the surface of the duck pond and see the starry night sky. Mm -hmm. The ritual is what allows us to transcend some of these physical limitations. And that's really why we need it. That's why our spirit is so hungry for rituals because it's the thing that reminds us that there's more than just the physical. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And through this intentional relationship with the unseen, we then can affect change on the physical. I remember when I was trying to quit smoking. Mm -hmm. And around that time, serendipitously, I found a weekly like crystal sound bath that I started going to. And in hindsight, I can say that that sound bath was the ritual that allowed me to quit smoking. Right. Because it was reconfiguring my energy in such a way that I no longer needed the cigarettes. I was also reading a book at the time, which was reconfiguring my mind, you know? But that's another way to think, you know, ritual is something you do to reconfigure yourself so that you're no longer exactly who you were if you're hungry for change. Mm -hmm. But then there are like very like specific types of like rituals or certain like events that you ritual around, correct? Like of we always talk about like new moon rituals, full moon rituals, things of that nature. Yeah, and every tradition is going to have their own rituals. Right. And the thing about rituals is, you know, like some of the very old rituals may not work anymore. Mm. Doesn't mean they didn't work back then, but they just may not work anymore now. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's time for new rituals. There's also rituals that you do in a group. You know, like we could come up, you know, gazers, we could come up with a ritual that we could all do to bring about some sort of like social, political, environmental change that we're all hungry for. You know, it could be something yeah. where we go, okay, well, every Friday night for the next six weeks in an effort to make a change about climate change. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just like spitballing here. Yeah. You know, we're going to... Right, light a candle and hold space for five minutes. Boom. Mm -hmm. Find a flower petal and bury it in the earth. <laughs> I mean, it really can be anything. No, completely. By engaging with ritual, you are allowing yourself to be transported to the new you. Um, so I mentioned this idea that ritual is residual, meaning that the more you engage with it, the more 
potent it becomes. And I just wanted to share a little story, which is that a couple years ago, when I first started doing my daily visualization exercises, where I visualize roots growing down into the earth to ground me, and I visualize my chakras or my energy centers, um, and I energize them, and I align them, I kind of like connect them, I imagine like a little thread connecting my lower, middle, and upper energy centers. And, you know, there's this whole elaborate kind of visualization practice I do. And I would say for the first couple months, it was completely in my mind. I was just thinking these things and I was like, is this even working? Is this even happening? Mm -hmm. And then slowly over time, I began to have physical sensations. I began to feel the roots. I began to feel what it feels like to be grounded. I began to open up my extrasensory perceptions through this daily commitment to ritual. And mm -hmm. now when I do these practices, I always feel something in my body. It's not just an idea. It is real and I feel it. But I had to fake it until I made it. And that's part of the thing with ritual too, is like you got to commit to it and you got to trust it and you got to trust it. Like you got to do it. A ritual you can't just do once. You got to do it a couple of times before you give up on it. Yeah. I'm realizing that I have never like fully engaged in too many rituals outside of, um, you know, my morning as well as I've definitely gotten into like new moon rituals before. Um, as an example, I did this sort of like candle magic ritual over the course of like six new moons at one time where it was sort of like writing down each new moon i had the same candle and i would light it at each full at each new moon for six new moons and but i before i would light it i would sort of write down my intentions for that sort of new moon cycle um light the candle, sort of let it go for a little bit while I did some meditation. And then I would just kind of let it stay lit until I felt like it was time to blow it out. And then it would sit there for a whole month until the next month. Um, and that's really great uh, that you mentioned that because mm -hmm. I think with a ritual, you would wait until you feel like it's time to blow the candle out. Right, because like you said, there you sort of have to like let in like just the spirit of presence to mm -hmm. it because it's going to shift each time yeah so every time this is a great example because i understand that even as i'm talking about this it can get a little murky and it's always going to be murky because we're talking about spirituality and spiritual practice and magic and so anytime we try to get too codified around this stuff it's it's not going to work but yeah you light the candle every new moon you write the intentions down but what happens in that space is a mystery right and so what did that what did that um, bring for you? Um, well, I think it was interesting because what I found is I was always trying to engage around the energy of that, you know, specific new moon's sign, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so whether it was Libra or, you know, Virgo, what have you. Um, but ultimately what I did find was, I guess what comes to mind initially is it kind of gave me something to look forward to mm. every month, you know, that I knew that it was coming up this new moon element in hindsight i don't even know if like the intentions were entirely like you know sprouted into manifest into manifestation mode but what it did do was really ground me into this sort of like relationship with the new with the moon cycle in a way that i you know didn't fully have before then i think now i'm much more in tune um with the moon cycle in general, but I have thought about the fact that I don't really have 
like a new moon or a full moon ritual. And I probably need to allow myself to recognize that each one can be different. And as an astrologer, it's probably smart to just play with the energy of what that moon is. I mean, I obviously know that just in astrology that like the new moon is a time to sort of initiate, you know, sort of, you know, like incite new beginnings around something, you know, what am I trying to call in? Whereas the full moon is a time of like release, letting go. Um, So I think even, you know, that's something I would like to start playing with again, sort of in this new solar year for myself around new moons and full moons. Yeah. Um, Another example that just came to my mind um, is I told Michelle, our vet, I remember mm-hmm. I said, what sort of ritual do you have at the end of the day so that you're disconnecting from every patient you've seen? Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't have a ritual. And I said, well, what if you just intentionally, as you take off your scrubs, by the time you get all of your scrubs off, you're clear. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, she's like, that's something I could do. She's like, that's <laughs> right. probably better than like by the end of the glass of wine. And I was like, totally. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, but again, the fact is, is like, you know, growing up Jewish, like wine is used in ritual, you know, like there's, there's no right or wrong way to do it. You can ritualistically drink a glass of whiskey. I would just, you know, if you're doing that every night. Yeah. That's where I'm like, then that becomes a habit, right? (laughs) Where ritual and habit walk together hand in hand. I think they do. I think they do. I think habit is, I think ritual is conscious habit for change. Right. And I guess I should say bad habit because you can have Yeah, because you can have really good habits too. Yeah. Like I look at my morning routine as like a good habit for myself. Yeah, 100%. To keep on my daily workouts, like things of those nature feel like good habits to me. Yeah. Um. So if you just meditate or just feel into like, oh, where in my life could I really use a ritual, a ritual for clearing, a ritual for grounding, a ritual for disconnection, a ritual for reconnection, you know, what are you yearning for? And instead of just wanting it, you could do something every day, every week, every month to reinforce how badly you're ready for this change. And that's what ritual does. I mean, change is not easy, right? We know as human beings, like change is a hard one process yeah she's rough it's like climbing a building straight up to the sky you know and so every time you do your ritual you're getting a little bit more oomph to get you up there and it's a slow process sometimes and i feel like the more you can engage in ritual that is meant to sort of propel you forward on a spiritual level that you are communing with habit you know sort of like good habit in a way. And so the more that you can engage in, you know, sort of ritual that feeds you, you probably then start to not make time anymore for the sort of negative rituals, you know, the negative habits. Yeah, totally. You know, because you're feeding the same source with something cleaner. Yeah. You know what else is coming to my mind? You know how I used to smoke imaginary cigarettes? Yes. I feel like that was a ritual. Yeah. So when I was like a dirty, dirty cigarette smoker and I finally quit, the hardest place for me was when I was stuck in traffic because I'd always just like smoke a ton of cigarettes. And so I don't know where this came from, but I just started to go through the full motion of, oh, Brandon, you've got a pack in your glove box. And I would pull it out 
it's invisible. And then I would pull a cigarette out. <laughs> and then with my imaginary lighter, I would light the cigarette and then I would smoke an imaginary cigarette in traffic. And I tell you, it worked. It would help me because, hey, I'm just like breathing intentionally. Yeah. But I did that so often. And I think that was maybe a little ritual that I unconsciously was using to strengthen my resolve to quit smoking. Yeah. You were putting on a little play. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. Also, I have a little ritual. It's like a little thing I say out loud to myself before I do a reading or a healing, something to kind of create that space for myself. It's mm -hmm. a it's a ritual that says like, okay, I'm now kind of transforming into this this mode. Yeah. Um and I guess the one last thing I want to say around ritual or ceremony is that it starts with the cultivation of a sacred space. Any space can be sacred. You heard me talk about how my car in the parking garage is sacred because I light a little bit of Palo Santo. Even if I didn't have Palo Santo, I could just close my eyes and I could call forth the inherent sacredness because every place on this planet, even in a plane above this planet, is sacred. Mm -hmm. What makes a sacred space a sacred space is just your tuning in to the inherent sacredness of it, calling it forwards, acknowledging it. So you could do that in your bedroom, in your bathroom, in your backyard. Just take a moment to acknowledge that this is sacred. Sometimes that's why we light a candle or we light the sage or the Palo Santo. Right. Because we're creating that sacred space. Yeah. But I do also think it's nice for people to, you know, to create some sort of sacred space that is ever present, that is available to them, that that is like a, you know, familiar space to go to in order to really like settle in to it. You know, whether it's even just like a chair in your living room that feels like the space that, so when you are at home and in real need of deep connection, you know that that space is there. And even if you then are traveling and out and about and in a sort of feeling, you know, in a space where you feel deeply disconnected, when you close your eyes, you can even visualize yourself in that chair, in that space, so that it even helps ground you deeper. That's beautiful. Yeah. And if you have a chair or a little corner where you do your meditation or whatever, just the act of going to that physical space in your home becomes a ritual. Exactly. So I guess, you know, ritual, three steps. First step, sacred space. Second step, the ritual itself, whatever mm -hmm. that is. And then the third step is say thank you. Oh, yeah, that's incredibly really important. Really important. So thank you to whomever you have been engaging with through this ritual. So the spirit mm -hmm. of the fire, the spirit of the earth, your helping and healing spirits, the Brandon spirit of your ancestors. Angel. Yeah, we love to be thanked. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple of people actually recently, like in the past week, they were like, you were in my dream last night. You were in my dream last night. Aww. And I'm like, gosh, dream Brandon has like been very busy. No wonder you've been so tired. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Just like I'm making a bunch of cameos yeah. in other people's dreams. <laughs> You're working hard. I know. But the thanking is very important. Completely. And if we really were just to take a brief little segue into like, what are what are the shamanic powers? Mm -hmm. The shamanic powers are gratitude, being able to say thank you. Yeah. Blessing, shamanic power, just blessing something mm -hmm. with your breath, with your presence, with your attention, with a song. Yeah, every morning I, part of my prayer is gratitude. Like I open my prayer with, I am so grateful with this life, this breath, this moment, and this day. Mm. And that's something that I, you know, I 
engage with and I ground not just into the words of it, but into the feeling of it. Like I am, I am oozing with gratitude and smiling from ear to ear when I say those things every morning. And I think it makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, and I also really engage with gratitude in that way after every, after every reading I do, you know, thanking, you know, all the ancestral helping spirits and guides and angels and what have you who are all oh, involved you thank yourself? with the, yes, exactly. Myself, <laughs> uh, my stylist. Um, but yeah, but that's always really important to me too, to sort of engage with gratitude at the end of those, to, you know, for having had that experience mm. of being able to sort of shepherd someone towards their healing. Totally. So gratitude is certainly my favorite part of my ritual. And I love gratitude at the end of the night too. Mm. Like just lying in bed and sort of having a mental, I guess an air ritual of just like five things that I was grateful for that day. Yeah. And I want to say that you can combine, like you could have a fire and water ritual if that's like what you're feeling compelled to do, you know? Yeah, light a candle and engage in water sports. <laughs> but I think when I'm when I'm trying to create a ceremony, mm -hmm. that's when I want to use all four elements. Right. Like a ceremony feels like you need, because again, remember we're reinforcing the status quo. So to reinforce that with a ceremony, like we need all four corners, we mm -hmm. need all four elements. And I guess the last thing I'll say about ritual is if you are yearning for a ritual to change some aspect of your life and you're stuck in terms of making it up, you might start to pray for a ritual or just ask for one. Um, before you go to sleep, you could ask your dreams for a ritual. When you meditate or do breath work, you could ask for a ritual. Uh, if you know how to journey, that's certainly how I get all my rituals. I journey for a ritual. And sometimes what you get, you don't understand. And that's cool. You don't need to understand it. You just need to start doing it. And if it works, then keep doing it. Um, in fact, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. What? I'm going to journey for my new morning ritual. Awesome. Can't wait. And I'll I'll tell everybody in a couple weeks what I got and how it's going. Great. That's exciting. Yeah. And you should all feel free to share with us like some of your ritual. Um, we had some of you post that up on the Instagram story um, about your rituals, but always interested in hearing more about what y'all are engaging in. Yeah. And then I guess we did want to talk really briefly just about altars and shrines. Oh, yeah. And how they connect to ritual. Because, you know, like Angel talked about, like if you have a place in your house where the ritual happens, it's going to ground you a little bit more into it. And so in the same way that we're demystifying ritual, there doesn't need to be a whole show demystifying altars and shrines. Because basically, one of my teachers says an altar is anywhere that you put your attention. Mm -hmm. You don't need to have just one altar. And so... To have some place in your house where you have some physical objects that remind you of your invisible relationships is basically what an altar or a shrine is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've got a lot of different altars in our house to the different directions, to different elements. Um, even like a bookcase is a shrine to knowledge, to the ascended masters, you know. Mm -hmm. But if you're not intentional around it, then it doesn't have the same magic or the same power. And an, an altar can be something as simple as like a candle and a picture. Yeah, exactly. Like if you want to develop a deeper relationship with a power animal, then you would put a picture of that animal in a candle. No, a little cute stuffed version. Or a cute stuffed version, for sure. And, you know, you come to that little space and you light that candle and your intention is, I'm trying to connect with you more deeply. Mm -hmm. And the more you do it, the more it works. 
Yeah, I think altars are so important for people who are on spiritual paths for the exact word you said, a reminder. Yeah. So that even when you are in your day and sort of caught up in the stress of, you know, I, this thing going on with work and with my with my bank account and blah, 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 you can sort of angle your eye toward that altar and remember that, oh, right, I am a spiritual being having a human experience right now. Let me quiet this mind and just be present to this moment, this experience. And then from there, you can move forward and most usually figure out how to solve the problem or at least realize that it isn't really a problem to deal with <laughs> to begin with. Yeah. And you can make a little altar in your car. I mean, you, you mm -hmm. guys, your body is an altar. Mm. I mean, if you know My me. body is a wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> um but, you know, like, if you know me, I wear a lot of jewelry, and it's very intentional. I mean, it's jewelry with stones and metals and things like that. And it's to remind myself, like, when I put, oh, that is a, see, there's one of my morning rituals, is when I put, I choose what jewelry I'm going to put on for the day. Mm -hmm. And that's very intentional. It's about what am I wanting to call in? Am I going to wear my smoky quartz or my moldavite? You know, those are two very different energies. <laughs> right. And so remember that your body in and of itself is an altar. I think people with, you know, tattoos or the clothes you wear, you know, this is, this is an altar. It's where you're putting your attention. Yeah. So I hope that this was at the very least tantalizing get your <laughs> get your engines going a little bit because you have a birthright to this ritual doesn't belong to anyone culture it belongs to all of us mm -hmm. and so I just want to empower you to start to explore what ritual might uh, be able to give you uh, in terms of transformation that's great honey I love it all right is it time for our tarot card of the week girl you know it is exciting oh I'm obviously even more excited about it, given it's my birthday. Oh my gosh, birthday card. All right, so I'm shuffling the cards right now. And this card that I pull is a message for all of us. We might even think of this card like an oar that's going to row us through the next two weeks. But if you're listening to this podcast in a future place and time, just know that this is the message that you are supposed to hear as well. So the card I just pulled for us is the Empress, and she is direct, which is also nice to see. The Empress is one of the major arcana cards. Those are the 22 cards that chart our journey um, from innocence to enlightenment. That's one kind of very basic way of putting it. And the Empress comes right at the beginning of that journey. After the fool and the magician and the high priestess comes the Empress, and she is the earth. She is the earth goddess. And she reminds us of our maternal instincts, of what it means to be mother with a capital M, our passions, our ferocity for caring for our children, even if those children are your animals or your creative ideas. And at its essence, the Empress is an invitation to return to the earth, which I think is really profound since we've been talking about ritual and the way that you get to ritual is through the earth, through the elements. And so for the next couple weeks, I would say to really just start to pay attention to the earth as a living being. And what does that mean for you? To move through your day in relationship with the earth as opposed to just taking her for granted or ignoring her, but considering like, where did this water come from that's so abundant for me? Where did this food come from? Even just to really take in the greenery of spring. Um, so much medicine, so much healing. In a shamanic worldview, 
The earth herself dreamt us into being. She was lonely, and so she dreamed us all into being. And she is still dreaming us into being. It is her constant dreaming that keeps us here. The more you can be in contact with the dreamer who's dreaming you into being, the more connected you'll be with the dream that is your life. That's beautiful. Thank you. So we are so grateful to all of you gazers. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you as for connecting always. with us as always. The spiritual gaze would not be here without y'all. Heck no. Um, and as always, a big heroic thank you to our neighbor, Carl, who comes through for us in so many ways. Mm -hmm. thank making you, Carl. sure this podcast uh, can be heard <laughs> exactly. and streamed and all of that good stuff. Yeah, we also want to thank uh, Justin Simeon for supplying us with the wonderful music. That we adore you, Jsimo7. Yes, that plays through our show. Uh, of course, you can always find us at The Spiritual Gaze on Instagram or at Spiritual Gaze on Twitter. You can email us at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com if you want to send us any sort of questions or, you know, just want to say hey. Um, obviously too you can find us on all the platforms you've already found us but if you are on iTunes please go rate us uh, particularly if you have a five star rating in mind and also really do please leave a review it's my birthday that's my birthday wish oh my gosh what a beautiful birthday wish but a lot of you have already done so and have left really really kind words for us so. also is there anything more huh. Aries than asking for a review for your birthday <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm me, <laughs> through and through. I'm an airy soul, what can I say? So grateful for everyone for uh, supporting the show, and um, yeah. Until next time, this has been your transit through the, the spiritual, spiritual gaze. gaze.